Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Welcome to the program where we have so much to cover, so little time, so much to do, and what should be a 10-hour show each and every day, but you get sick of it and so would I. So here we are. We're going to cover the Jerry Nadler Patsarama Circus. In short order, Lewandowski handed them their lunch, one after another, one against 24, and he bested all of them. He used their own tactics against them, and that's what you need to do, and we'll get into that. The election in Israel is too close to call, plus you have all these minority parties, but there's one individual in particular who's truly a putz, and that's this guy Lieberman. And he wants a government that excludes the more religious parties. And so he'll get 8 to 10 votes, and because it's way too early to know. I mean, I think they're going to be counting for several days, but he's hoping to be a kingmaker with his big eight seats in a Knesset that has 120, 121 members. That's how it works. It's, it's truly pathetic. And he stopped Netanyahu from uh, forming a government last time. He's, he's personally out for Netanyahu. He's got real character issues. The attorney general over there could be investigating him, but for some reason is not. But I want to get into something else. The attack on the Supreme Court, not from a rational perspective, an institutional concern, a concern about how it functions, the lack of turnover and things of that sort, which is fair game. The left has talked about it. I've written about it. That's fine. But the effort to intimidate a justice or a handful of justices to reach conclusions that the left demand. It's like this guy, Whitehouse, this clown from Rhode Island. A lot of clowns in Congress from Rhode Island. This guy, Cicilline or whatever his name is. But Shelley Whitehouse. Yes, Shelley Whitehouse. And he and little Dick Durbin of Illinois and others, you may recall, made it clear to the United States Supreme Court in one gun control matter that if they don't rule as these clowns demand they rule, well, then they may just have to change the makeup of the court and add a few seats. That is shocking. These members of Congress should be expelled. But, of course, they're celebrated by the left and the media who get away with everything. They get away with everything. And now this attack on Kavanaugh, again, as I explained yesterday, is an attack on the court, an effort to intimidate him and push him to the left, from center left. But there's a great point that was made by Eric Erickson, 
and the resurgent.com. A very important point, as a matter of fact. And he says John Roberts is culpable in the Kavanaugh attacks. And we'll get into those in more detail a little later, too, but I'm sure you've heard about it all day. But you haven't gotten my take. The New York Times is pushing this latest Kavanaugh story to sell the book written by two New York Times reporters, but there's also more to it than that. In the past few years, attacks on the credibility of the Supreme Court have increased. Those attacks skyrocketed after the Obamacare decision in which John Roberts, in his Solomonic wisdom, decided to split the baby. Ever since... Various progressives and their allies in the mainstream media have escalated and amplified attacks on the court because they know John Roberts worries chiefly about the reputation of the court. Interestingly, I explained this last night on the program, but it's not just the reputation of the court, it's his reputation. And they read the New York Times and these other publications for information about their reputations. He goes on, if there were any doubts, the latest leaks about the census case dispel them. Roberts can be persuaded based on political attacks against the court. We talked about this. Now this makes it more likely that Roberts' colleagues will see attacks on them as progressives seek to further politicize the court in hopes of further caving by Roberts. The current attacks on Kavanaugh have everything to do with selling a book. But there's an underlying current of targeting Roberts, and that in turn will cause his colleagues to be targeted even more. John Roberts has opened up this floodgate. Because as Erickson points out, they see he's weak, that he buckled in the Obamacare decision, he buckled on the citizenship question. And they'll try and continue to pressure and continue to pick off one justice or another. That's what the Chief Justice has sowed. He should just be sticking to the Constitution and sticking to his job. But this does none of that. And we're going to circle back to the New York Times and the rest. You can see all the reporting now that's taking place, and I want to salute it. Six months ago, you never, ever would have seen such a chorus of proper criticism against the Supreme Court, excuse me, against the New York Times for what it did but for the fact that you folks are part of this movement on on freedom of the press to get our press back. Now, as I say, we'll circle back to that, but I want to briefly talk about Jerry Nadler. How little reporting is done about Jerry Nadler. No exposés. We don't know anything about his great-grandfather. You know, we know about Mitch McConnell's great-great-grandfather, but we don't know anything about Jerry Nadler's grandfather. We don't know anything about his family. Not a word, not a thing. Not a thing. But Ron Kolb over at the town hall site, great site, wanted to point out a few things to you. Nadler is desperately continuing his quest to impeach Donald Trump. At a hearing last week in a veiled attempt to advance it, he said he no longer cared about the nomenclature. But Nadler has a, lo- has a long and disturbing history of supporting and facilitating the release of some of America's deadliest terrorists, even including this past year. 
in August 1999, Bill Clinton offered clemency to 12 members of the notorious FALM, the Puerto Rican nationalist group that had wanted to align with Cuba. The small group, who had no popular support on the island, had set off more than 130 bombs around the U.S. between 1974 and 1983, killing six and injuring scores more. I want you to know what we're dealing with in Nadler. It was eventually discovered that Hillary Clinton's advisors supported the scheme, wrongly thinking would help her gain the Puerto Rican vote in New York, that is clemency. The Clinton team fashioned that the terrorists sign a statement expressing remorse, but they all had refused to sign it, and then unbelievably were given a month to decide. As time was running out, both the House and Senate composed resolutions condemning Bill Clinton's actions, which they would soon pass overwhelmingly. A day before the House vote, it was announced that 11 of the 12 who had signed the statement would be leaving numerous federal prisons in just two days. On the day of the House debate and the vote on September 9, 1999, Gerald Nadler took to the floor of the House for six and a half minutes and defended Clinton's actions as well as the FALN itself, saying there was no proof, even though at the time four of their members had been convicted of making bombs and a fifth had been convicted of killing someone with a bomb. The group had also claimed credit for many of their attacks and communiques, including their deadliest attack at the Francis Tavern in Lower Manhattan in 1975, killing four and injuring 60, which also happens to be located in Gerald Nadler's district since he had arrived in Congress in 1992. Now, it's funny how all these interviews on CNN and MSNBC meet the press, face the nation this week, None of this comes up. None of it. Even though Nadler had approved the FALN clemencies, his involvement with aiding the release of dangerous and deadly terrorists would be even more direct and hands-on, and it would involve Susan Rosenberg and Judith Clark, members of the May 19th Coalition, which was an offshoot of the Weather Underground after the Vietnam War ended. That group wanted to overthrow the United States government and teamed up with the Black Liberation Army, formerly Black Panthers. In 1979, they helped convict cop killer. They helped convicted cop killer Joanne Chesmard escape from prison and then jointly committed a series of armed car robberies. In June of 1981, a Brink security guard was killed in a robbery in the Bronx. And that October, a Brink security guard was killed in a robbery in suburban Nanook in New York. Minutes later, two police officers were killed at a roadblock in nearby Nyack. Rosenberg and Clark were in lookout and getaway vehicles and both fled the scene with an officer in pursuit. Rosenberg escaped, but Clark wrecked and disabled a car and attempted to lure and kill the officer that arrested her. A Rosenberg continued her major terrorist activity after her escape. She was finally caught in 1994, hauling 730 pounds of bombs and several illegal weapons. Isn't that illegal, Mr. Producer? 
Somebody better red flag her. And some of the cache of bombs have been used in several bombings in New York and Washington, including one at the Capitol building in 1983, which did severe damage to the historic building. 1994, when Rosenberg was first up for parole, Nadler sent a letter to the New York Parole Board recommending her release, which even they rejected. As Bill Clinton's term was ending in 2001, Nadler made a direct pitch to him, and Rosenberg was freed in Clinton's final 15 minutes in office that January. And she now publicly praises other terrorists and murderers and also advocates for all prisons to be abolished. And after Judith Clark had been arrested during the deadly Brinks robbery, she eventually tried every desperate attempt to gain freedom, including an escape attempt, as well as suing the government for not providing her attorney during her trial, which she'd originally refused. In 2013, Governor Cuomo recommended a release to the state parole board. Nadler sent a letter with other far-left members of the House to the board urging freedom, but they unanimously rejected three to zero, and she then filed suit against them. And earlier this year, before the board was due to vote again, Nadler sent another letter to them that they should release Judy Clark. It's Judith, of course. This time, the parole board, which now includes more Cuomo-appointed members, included one with a suspect history, controversially released Clark on a two-to-one vote. But Nadler's history shows that he should sit in judgment of no one. His blatant hypocrisy in defending Bill Clinton during his impeachment in 1999, as opposed to his obvious bias now, should easily preclude him. But what is far worse in his behavior is his help in freeing some of America's most dangerous terrorists. That's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee who keeps calling the President of the United States a criminal while he has worked overtime and feverishly to release convicted, very serious criminals. That's who runs the House Judiciary Committee. He's a real slimeball. He's a really dangerous man. You wouldn't know it looking at him, but that's exactly what he is. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. 
Welcome to Hillsdale. time to have Richie Rich. All right, here's Nadler at the hearings today, and we're going to really dig into this, because these people are trying to depose a duly elected president and destroy our constitutional republic. Cut one, go. The White House is intent on preventing the American people from hearing the details. So now let's no- just stop. So here you have a congressman elected from an ultra left-wing district in New York. I just read to you his background. And he presumes to represent the American people. Does this man represent the American people as he stood for election throughout the country? No. He's in a one-party district. It's truly red. I don't mean red Republican. I mean red Marxist. He's a reprobate pushing for the release of domestic terrorists. And he sits there, talks about the American people have rights, you see. Go ahead. Surprise that the White House blocked two of our witnesses, Mr. Porter and Mr. Dearborn, from showing up. Well, let me explain this. We'll continue after the break. He's not conducting a legitimate impeachment inquiry. Because the full House of Representatives hasn't voted for an impeachment inquiry. Because Nancy Pelosi knows if they do, it's suicide for 30 to 50 members of her party. And so she won't do it. Meanwhile... She has the Marxist wing of her party and the anti-Semite wing of her party and the pro-Iran wing of her party that she deals with. She doesn't put them down. She embraces them. But she has to entertain them. And this is what she's doing. She doesn't have control of her caucus. No, she doesn't. And so Jerry Nadler is running a circus. The Putz is running a circus. And so he doesn't speak for the American people. He doesn't speak for the House of Representatives. He doesn't even speak for his entire party. As he makes these these comments about the blocking of witnesses, the office of the presidency and the president of the United States has every single right to raise defenses and objections, which can be litigated and are being litigated in many cases involving Hundreds of subpoenas that have been thrown at the president of the United States, his businesses, his family members, and staff. So he's not a dictator. It's a separation of powers issue. Jerry Nadler is operating under a fraudulent, a fraudulent uh, um, practice. And the president's pushing back. Not just for his sake, by the way, folks, for the sake of future presidents in the office of the presidency. That's what it's about. I'll be right back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission— to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. 
These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. The Mike Levin Show. This is the home of the July 4th Americans. And you can call at 877-381-3811. Did I mention that Dan Bongino's on my Sunday show, Mr. Producer? Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Eastern, this coming Sunday. I know it's only Tuesday, but uh, we had to prepare the program today because I'm this week and I'm, I'm traveling. My birthday's coming up, the 21st. You believe that, Rich? Going to be 62. I don't look a day over 61, by the way. But Dan's one of my buddies. As you know, he's he's a regular substitute host. Uh, he's gotten very famous now, so he doesn't substitute as much, but I couldn't be happier. He is terrific. And um, he's got a wonderful new book coming out called Exonerated, and it's also terrific. It's got a lot of great information in there, but we have a wonderful time. Um, and um, he does a great job. You can see over on his Twitter site, and we'll be talking about it later in the week, too. Uh, it's a great show where I give people time to speak. It's very popular. Everywhere I go, people ask me about it, and they appreciate it because I think they appreciate some rational, logical discussion, and that's what we do on the program. I've been utterly unsuccessful in getting Elizabeth Warren, AOC, Omar, Talib. Bernie Sanders, and the rest of them on the program. They just won't show up. They won't do it. That's fine. That's up to them. Can't coerce it. We've also tried to get on the radio program, those folks and more. Jerry Nadler won't come on my program. Now, if I were a domestic terrorist, Mr. Producer, I think he'd come on my program. If I were doing a podcast, you know, off offshore on a boat, maybe, uh, maybe in a Cuban harbor, maybe then he'd come on the program. The best part of this hearing is yet to come. That would be Corey Lewandowski, who I want to salute. But let's let's continue. Jerry Nadler, ladies and gentlemen. Cut to go. But the White House does not want us or the American people to hear this story in full. Late yesterday, the White House sent us a letter claiming that Mr. Lewandowski's conversations with the president, quote, are protected from disclosure by executive branch confidentiality interests, close quote. They say he may testify about presidential communications that are already disclosed in the Mueller report, but no more. They make that claim despite the fact that Mr. Lewandowski was at all times a private political operative. All right, let's, let, let's stop. Let me help Mr. Clown out here, Mr. Bozo. The privilege belongs to the president, not Lewandowski. And then you look at the circumstances. And what the White House Counsel's Office is saying, when Mr. Lewandowski was in the Oval Office talking to the President of the United States, his particular profession is irrelevant. 
the President of the United States has every right to receive counsel and input and to discuss ideas and so forth in a confidential manner, or he cannot function. Notice, Mr. Nadler would never, ever allow the President of the United States to question his staff, to question people who visit him, to apply the Freedom of Information Act to his documents or anything of the sort. But the privilege is that the President of the United States has a right to be given advice, counsel, seek input, and so forth from people. Otherwise, what are you going to have here? You're going to have an individual who can't talk to anybody. And Nadler's out there acting like this is black and white, unconstitutional, a cover-up, and that he speaks for the American people, and the American people will never get the full story. American people never get what full story? We just had a two-year criminal investigation. The media have been all over this stuff. What story is this clown talking about? He acts like he's some kind of objective judge or adjudicator of some kind when he's already pronounced repeatedly that the President of the United States has committed crimes. And this whole thing is a farce. President is not required to play along. He's not required to, to undermine the office of the presidency and separation of powers to accommodate this radical pro-terrorist nutjobs agenda. And I wonder who'd win in this nation in an election between Nadler and Trump. Nadler continues to say he speaks for the American people. How so? Based on what? Based on what? Based on nothing. Blowhard. Go ahead. Offering advice of any kind, the usual prerequisite for executive privilege, and was enlisted for apparent wrongdoing. No court has ever said that the president is entitled to confidentiality under these circumstances. Indeed, the Department Well, maybe of this, this situation has been raised with the court, but now it will be. So this guy's running a, uh, a kangaroo court. He's not following the traditional processes, even in the pursuit of impeachment. Then he complains about what the executive branch is doing. Go ahead. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Now, Corey Lewandowski at the Judiciary Hearing today. Let's play a little bit of this. Cut three, go. As the special counsel determined, there was no conspiracy or collusion between the Trump campaign and any foreign governments, either on my watch or afterwards. Not surprisingly, after the Mueller report was made public, interest in the fake Russia collusion narrative has fallen apart. In conclusion... And it's sad to say, this country has spent over three years and 40 million taxpayer dollars on these investigations. And it's now clear that the investigation was populated by many Trump haters who had their own agenda to take down a duly elected president of the United States. As for actual collusion or conspiracy, there was none. What there has been, however, is harassment of this president from the day he won the election. We as a nation would be better served if elected officials like yourself concentrated your efforts to combat the true crises facing our country, as opposed to going down rabbit holes like this hearing. Instead of focusing on petty and personal politics, the committee focused on solving the challenges of this generation. Imagine how many people we could help, or how many lives we could save. Every future witness needs to listen to Lewandowski's testimony, Tom Holman's testimony, 
the testimony of others who have stared down these Marxist thugs who call themselves members of Congress. And the worst of the worst of them have gathered into the Judiciary Committee where they can do enormous Jackson uh, damage. Here's Sheila Jackson Lee at the Judiciary hearing today. Sounded like she always does. A clown. Cut four, go. So whether the president told you he called his counsel at home on Saturday to remove, on a Saturday, remove the special counsel, and his counsel said no. Now let's stop. Let's say he did remove the special counsel. Just for argument's sake. Through his counsel, through the Secretary of Agriculture, through tea leaves, through a direct phone call. However, how is that obstruction? The Justice Department already commented on this. I've already commented on this. If the president believes that Mr. Mueller is corrupt and partisan as a result of the corrupt and partisan people that he hired, he's free to replace him. It doesn't change the fact that there's an investigation taking place. And, of course, we know that everything they wanted was turned over by the president. No privileges whatsoever were asserted. No documents withheld. And even more, he didn't cut one penny from the investigation. Nothing. He took not a single step. Not a single step to prevent the course of this investigation. On the contrary, he did more than any president that I'm aware of in terms of providing access And so let's say he had fired Mueller. So what? He has every constitutional right to do it. The investigation would go on. He just argued, and I think convincingly, very convincingly, that Mueller was conflicted based on the people that he had hired. Go ahead. The president had also personally called Sessions at home and asked him to unrecuse himself. So what? He's allowed to do that, too. And by the way, this is a congresswoman known for abusing her staff. For abusing her staff, for having them drive her around to get her dry cleaning. Remember all those stories? Go ahead and Google them. Go ahead. See the special counsel's investigation, and Sessions said no. When the president asked you to deliver his message to Sessions, did the president tell you that Sessions had already said no? Volume 2, one, page 107. Again, Congresswoman, I recognize that the privilege is not mine, but I've been asked by the White House to... uh, Congresswoman, I'd be happy to answer your question, or you can just have a conversation by yourself. But if you'd like to ask me a question, I'll be happy to answer. I'm going to continue. The reason is... Well, then don't ask me a question if you don't want to hear my answer. This is a House judiciary, not a House party. No, it's not House judiciary. It actually is a House party. It's a House party, and it sounds to me like the the brownies have been uh, jacked up with marijuana. What do you think, Mr. Producer? Or maybe they're smoking directly, for all I know. I wouldn't know. I've never smoked marijuana. I've never had brownies with marijuana. I can't even stand the smell of it when I was a kid. Anyway, go ahead. Give me the opportunity to answer your question. The campaign, the special counsel is investigating. I'd like my time restored, please, of his interruption. Why? To show your genius? Another reprobate, Steve Cohen. Remember this guy with the fried chicken and all? Of course, I would be racist if a Republican did what he did, but it's Steve Cohen. So he's a great national hero who one day will wind up on some mountainside carved into the hill. Mount Rushmore, even. Cut five, go. 
Mr. Landowski, it's been made clear here you were not an employee and you admitted it at the White House. You had no W-2. You so had no- what, dummy? Privilege belongs to the president. I just explained that to you. Now go back to KFC and check out the Coast Law. Go ahead. You had nothing. You were not an employee. And you were a policeman at one time. So you know something about the law. Yeah, about- and you should be in handcuffs. Go ahead. Following the law. Didn't you think it was a little strange that the president would sit down with you one-on-one and ask you to do something that you knew was against the law? Did that strike you as strange? All right, let's stop here. What is against the law? There's nothing against the law. Folks, this stuff is in the Mueller report. These were partisan Democrat prosecutors who contributed to the Hillary campaign, to the Obama campaign, and even worse. They didn't believe it was against the law. Nobody was charged for this. So what is this, this kangaroo court? Is it a criminal court? It is a congressional court? What is this thing that's called the House Judiciary Committee? Go ahead. premise of your question, Congressman. You weren't a policeman? I didn't, I didn't think the president asked me to do anything illegal. You didn't think it would have been illegal for you to ask Mr. Sessions to drop the investigation and to just Now notice, to- wait, he didn't ask him to drop the investigation. He was troubled by the fact that Session recused himself. He didn't ask him to drop the investigation. Go ahead. Omit everything with this president and go ali ali in free. We're going to start with the next one about colluding with Russia. You didn't think that was illegal to obstruct justice? Congressman, the president asked me to do anything illegal. Obviously, you've never been a judge and won't be one. All these people I asked you, they gave you dictation. He dictated to you a, a message to give sessions. Had you ever been a secretary for the president before and taken dictation or shorthand? Many times. Oh, we got your qualifications now. You were a secretary. What is with this jackass? Steve Cohen. Anyway, that was pointless. Now let's hear Matt Gates and Lewandowski. This will be pretty good. Cut six, go. So, Mr. Lewandowski, do you have a thought as to why we continue to engage in a charade that is overwhelmingly opposed by the American people and fundamentally misunderstood by my Democrat colleagues? You know, Congressman, I think they hate this president more than they love their country. <laughs> That's right. Mr. Lewandowski, you were the campaign manager for the president's campaign when the Obama-Biden administration was notified that there might be efforts by the Russians to interfere with our election. Isn't that right? Yes. And can you describe for us the briefing you got as the campaign manager to ensure that our system was resilient and American democracy was protected? There was no briefing provided by anybody from the Obama Biden administration, members of the intelligence community or uh, the FBI to our campaign when I was present or during my tenure as a campaign manager. that's, That's just baffling to me. Got that, folks? The Obama folks never, never told the Trump campaign about Russian interference in the election. And the Democrats could care less. And by the way, the Democrats could care less about Russian interference in our election. They're just upset that Trump won. I'll be right back. Mark in.
Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. People are starting to figure out why I've been calling Joe Biden the dumbest man in the Senate since the minute I've been on radio. How many years is it now? 16 years? All right, one more if we have time. The ranking Republican, Doug Collins. Cut seven, go. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you for introducing uh, this hearing, which is now, as you said, under the new rules. You know, it's sort of the old school, the old rules of the new rules, the new rules of the old rules. These were new these were rules that were here all along. And yet, here we go again. We're going to say that they're new because we like the packaging. I've never seen a majority so amazed with packaging in all my life. You know why? Because they can't sell what's inside. They can't sell the product. So they just keep packaging it differently. You know, I think we should call I agree with my chairman. I think we should call this for what it is. It's just another simple override hearing. In fact, no, I think it's actually become this. It has become, let's read the Mueller report for audiobook. That's what we've become. We had Mr. Mueller here. Had a long day of it. Judging by all accounts, it didn't go real well for the purpose of what you've proclaimed for over nine months and almost two years, that there's impeachable offenses, as my chairman has said, clearly in the Mueller report. But here's the problem. 17 of the members of the Judiciary Committee have said that they think the president ought to be impeached. So why are we still investigating it? 17, you get some more. The problem is you don't have the votes. You don't have the numbers. And even if you got it out of this committee, you don't have it on the floor. That's your problem. So the thing that we're going to do is, is we're going to drag this committee through oversight hearings, talking about things that have been talked about ad nauseum, ad nauseum, ad nauseum. We're going to talk about it. We're going to put filters up. We're going to say what it really is or really is not. While in all the things, we're going to try to imply that this president shouldn't be president. And notice, they don't want to hear from any of those at the highest levels of the FBI and Department of Justice and others who actually should be investigated. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I want to get to the New York Times, which we seem to do every week. 
given how corrupt, ideological, and dishonest that corporation has become and really always has been. But first, I want to talk about the situation with our ally in Israel. They have a very convoluted system over there. You can have multiple parties, and they do. And you have niche parties that stand for one issue or two issues. It's very divisive. You have something called the Blue and White Party that's relatively new. And this is a party that came to be, and they claim to be a centrist party, with an ex-general, Gantz, and an ex-Likud member. Likud is the conservative party. Uh, Lapid. And they're all things to all people. They run on uh, encouraging the Arabs to vote. Uh, and you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, the Arabs mostly don't vote in Israel as a, uh, uh, as a protest to the Israeli government, to even the existence of the Israeli government at the behest of the Palestinian Authority and worse. They came out in huge numbers, this election, because this guy Gantz uh, sought their vote very, very strongly. And the Palestinian Authority, Abbas, strongly encouraged them to vote for this blue and white party. And they did. At the same time, you have a number of disgruntled former Likud, former Netanyahu supporters, who have flipped into that party. So it's really a, a conglomeration of different ideologies, different ethnic groups, um, people with different agendas, including personal agendas. And it's really anti-Netanyahu. And they appear, it's too early, we're looking at exit polls, this, this won't be known for days in truth, because of the voting, some of it's by paper ballots and so forth. It looks, at least initially, according to press reports, I don't know firsthand, of course, that this blue and white party has one or two more seats than the Likud party. But that's not it. Now they have to put a coalition together. You need 61 members of the Knesset. 61 members. That's a majority. That's the minimum. So now they work to put together a coalition. And here's where it gets complex. One of the individuals who's played the role of a spoiler, his name is Lieberman. I would argue there's serious character questions about Lieberman. The Attorney General in Israel hasn't investigated Lieberman for some strange reason. The Attorney General's been going after Benjamin Netanyahu, much like Mueller, you might say. And Lieberman has stayed about two steps ahead of the Attorney General. And one of the things that Lieberman ran on back in April and today was uh, his, effectively, his opposition to Netanyahu. But really what it was is he said, I don't like all these religious parties, you know, uh, telling us what to do. And so he, he, he represents what he claims is a uh, Secular Jews. So out of 120-some seats, he manages to get 8 to 10. The problem is, once you analyze the coalition that this blue and white party can put together, 
And once you analyze the coalition that Likud can put together, this guy Lieberman has the potential, the potential to defeat Netanyahu. Back in April when Netanyahu won most of the seats, this guy Lieberman prevented him from serving his next term as prime minister. He only had five seats, this guy Lieberman. Now he has eight to ten. I have one word to describe him, and I put it on my social sites. Putz. P-U-T-Z. You can, you can bing it. We don't Google things here anymore. You can bing it and find out for yourselves. And so it's much like our country. You have people in Israel who are hard left. You have people in Israel who don't necessarily like Netanyahu's personality or maybe he's been there too long. Then you have the outright anti-Israel groups, including the Arabs, among others, coalescing around an effort to defeat Netanyahu. But I want you to think about this for a second. Pretend you're an Israeli. You may have just defeated the prime minister who succeeded in building the strongest alliance in the history of your country with the United States of America and its president. You may have just defeated the prime minister who worked with the United States to recognize Jerusalem as your capital, something that's never been done in this country. You may have just defeated the prime minister who worked with the United States to move their, our embassy to their capital, Jerusalem, who recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, who closed down the terrorist PLO office in Washington, D.C., who cut off American taxpayer funds to Abbas and the PA who were subsidizing and giving pensions to terrorists who were killing Israelis. And I can go on and on and on. You may just have defeated that prime minister. Now, we have this New York Times and CNN and the rest of the slime that pretends to be free press. Israel has very few conservative voices. Very few. The Jerusalem Post, for the most part, has gone more left. This paper, Haaretz, if you look at their headlines today, it's a disgusting disgrace. And on down the list, there are very few conservative voices with a significant reach in terms of uh, media. This is one of the thing, things Likud and Netanyahu have been trying to work on. More competition, more diversity, more viewpoints, and so forth. So the left attacks them. I told you last night, I did an interview with a guy at the Jerusalem Post. He twisted everything I said, and his final report was basically what he was alleging, not what I was saying. So I could see it firsthand, just like the U.S. press. Just like the U.S. press. They think their attorney general is much like Bob Mueller was before he testified with his tongue hanging out of his mouth. That's what they did. So Netanyahu, who really should have been re-elected in April, all things being equal, was denied it. And now tonight, we don't know how this is going to turn out. The media in Israel are clearly rooting against him for the most part. Same entrenched types. But wouldn't it be remarkable? Remarkable? Should it even be close? No. 
shouldn't be close at all. But that's the situation in that country right now. Now, before we get to the New York Times and Kavanaugh, and we will, only the way I can, having written Unfreedom of the Press, which now every single conservative pundit, columnist, has clearly studied, I can tell by what they say. There's a piece at the Free Pekin by Adam Credo. You did not read this in the New York Times, in the Washington Post. You didn't hear it on the nightly news on NBC, ABC, or CBS. You didn't hear this on MSNBC from Andrea Mitchell or any of the other throwbacks. Not a word from Jake Tapper or Wolf Blitzer, both of whom are Jewish. Nothing. Not a word from Fredo and Dumb Lemon. Anti-Semitic harassment on college campuses aimed at pro-Israel students jumped by 70% in the past year. The highest levels ever seen, according to a new study showing that the endorsement of anti-Israel causes by students and professors has created an unsafe environment for Jewish students. This is in our country, on our college and university campuses. And I believe it's a mixture of a Marxist ideology spewed by tenured professors, as well as our open immigration system where people are flowing into this country from countries in the Middle East, that absolutely despise Jews and the state of Israel. Harassment of students who express pro-Israel ideologies jumped 70% from 2017 to 2018 in one year, according to a new report by the AMCHA Initiative, a campus organization that monitors anti-Semitism on more than 400 college campuses that has recorded some 2,500 anti-Semitic incidents across the U.S. since 2015. This will never be raised in a Democrat Party debate. You want to know why? Because they're anti-Israel, they're pro-Palestinian, they're pro-open borders, and their base, their base is a growing anti-Semitic base. It is. And that would include the media. AMCHA found in its latest report that while examples of classical anti-Semitism decreased overall, been a major spike in students being targeted for hate speech and violence due to their open support for the state of Israel. The findings jive with anecdotal evidence seen across the country of Jewish and pro-Israel students experiencing violence and harassment from those associated with the anti-Semitic boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, or BDS which aims to wage economic warfare on Israel. In other words, choke it economically. And that movement has put major resources into its campus activities and appears to be bearing fruit across the United States. Hostility on these college campuses towards supporters of Israel reached near-historic levels during the past year, according to the report. Anti-Semitic acts involving the singling out of Jewish and pro-Israel students and groups for personal vilification, more than doubled, <coughs> excuse me, including a 147% increase in incidents in students being linked to white supremacy, according to the findings. Attempts to exclude Jewish and pro-Israel students from campus activities more than doubled, with expression calling for the total boycott or exclusion of pro-Israel students from campus life nearly tripling. Tripling. Excuse me. And now we move to the New York Times. 
which has become the anti-Semitic paper of record as far as I'm concerned. So you have this new book. Talked about this yesterday. Everybody's commenting on it, but I want to express further thoughts on this. As Molly Hemingway writes, The Federalists, Christine Blasey Ford's friend Leland Kaiser doesn't believe her. Now we're going back. We're going back to point at a further fraud perpetrated by the New York Times and the rest of the media and the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Just doesn't make any sense, lifelong Fred Leland Kaiser told the New York Times reporters about Ford's allegations, adding, I don't have any confidence in the story. You know, I was one of the few, I was one of the few who stood up to this, remember this, Mr. Producer, and said, I don't believe her. It doesn't add up what she's saying. I just don't believe her. Buried at the end of their book, The Education of Brett Kavanaugh on Investigation, the New York Times reporters Robin Pogabrin and Kate Kelly quietly admit that Christine Blasey Ford's lifelong friend Leland Kaiser did not believe her friend's tale of a sexual assault at a party they both supposedly attended. You want to know why? It never happened. That's right, I said it, and I've been saying it since the start. It never happened. Now, she's the lifelong friend of Christine Blasey Ford. And and Kaiser did not believe her friend's tale. Kaiser was named by Ford as a witness, one of four who denied any knowledge of the inventing question. So Ford names four eyewitnesses, not one of them. Not one of them corroborated her story. In fact, none of them believed it. The book by these New York Times journalists offers no evidence in support of the allegations made by Christine Blasey Ford, but they write their, quote, gut reaction, unquote, was that her allegations rang true. The gut instinct was based on the fact that Blasey Ford and Kavanaugh grew up in the same rough area. She dated one of his friends. Further, Leland Kaiser had gone out on a date, maybe even two dates, they're not sure, with a friend of Kavanaugh's. None of that means that Ford was, in fact, assaulted by Kavanaugh, they write, but it does mean that she has a baseline level of credibility as an accuser. It's unclear what they mean by that. You see, ladies and gentlemen, Christine Blasey Ford lied under oath. Lied under oath, but she'll never be held to account. Because she said exactly what the Democrats and the media, one and the same, wanted her to say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. She tried to stop Kavanaugh. I keep hearing liberals say that the Democrats are upset because their hero, Merrick, sitting on the D.C. Court of Appeals, wasn't even given a hearing at the end of the Obama administration. McConnell blocked him. And he would be sitting in that seat, or perhaps Gorsuch's seat, and they're never going to forget it. Merrick Garland. The problem with that argument, ladies and gentlemen, as we discussed at the time, in which they'll never admit, what Obama did wasn't done in past presidencies. He nominated somebody to the United States Supreme Court 
with less than a year left in his presidency. With less than a year left in his presidency. That's not done. Because the voters are going to vote and the next president gets to decide because that's when the public actually gets some input. That's why he was denied a hearing. That's why he wasn't voted on. Because Obama tried to break the rules again. I'll be right back. Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Now it gets worse. You know, there is a real reporter at CBS. Her name is Jane Crawford. I've admired her over the years. But there's something worse. Leland Kaiser, remember the best friend or one of the closest friends that uh, Ford had? She was pressured. She was pressured to change her story. The details of Kaiser's experience, as reported at Hot Air, with those who pressured her to change her story started coming out last October, but only now. Buried at the back of the new book by the two New York Times reporters, do you have an outright dismissal of Blasey Ford's claims from Kaiser? Somehow the New York Times editors thought rehashing old and utterly uncorroborated cops from the Golden Girls era was bigger news than witness tampering by Blasey Ford's allies. So Kaiser said, I, I, I'm not familiar with any of this. The three other witnesses Ford mentioned said, no, we're not familiar with any of this. Kaiser is pressured to change her view, to change her her memory. She doesn't. And so what we're talking about here, and it's in the back of their book, and the New York Times did not point this out the other day when writing excerpts about the book. So the issue here is really obstructing testimony or an attempt to... With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. 
Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. Let me tell you folks something. Folks who are very cocky about the coming election. Let what's taking place in Israel be a lesson to all of us. To all of us. Netanyahu hasn't lost yet. But it's a battle. This coalitions and everything. We must be on our guard. I view politics as I view military operations. I'm not talking about the violence and the weapons and all. You have to be strategic. You have to act like you're always behind. You have to outsmart your enemy or your opponent. You can't sit back on your laurels. Even the biggest armies are defeated. We're really up against it with the left. They will do anything. They're doing it right now. They did anything they could in the 2016 and 2018 elections. They're no different than the left in Israel. They'll do anything. We really need to be resolute and on our guard and very active and engaged. I'm not kidding. Have you gotten a robocall or email for a pre-approved loan or credit card or one of those in the middle of the night or dinner calls. It's just so annoying. If so, you really better watch out. You may be the target of cyber criminals trying to steal your home. And more accurately, they want that equity in your home. And we're sitting ducks. That's because our personal information, home titles and mortgages, are now online. The thief just forges your signature so it appears you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you in debt. And no insurance, no bank or identity theft program protects you. None. So for pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a firewall around your home's online title and mortgage to lock it down. In other words, they're protecting your home equity, which is probably your biggest asset. And it's probably your nest egg for emergency funds, retirement, and so forth. Now imagine it's all gone, and you didn't realize it until it was too late. I'm on a mission to protect you, my listeners. So I got you 60 risk-free days of protection, 60 risk-free days of protection. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, and your address to see if you're already a victim and get your 60 risk-free days. They need that information in order to help you protect your title, that title to your home. So go to HomeTitleLock.com and your address to see if you're already a victim and so you can get your 60 risk-free days. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. This is a big deal. So let's continue. So there's a big bombshell. 
It's hidden in the back of the book. All four people, as Jan Crawford writes, identified as being at the high school party in the summer of 1982, have all said that no such party occurred, all contradicting Christine Blasey Ford's testimony, sworn testimony. And today, both the Republican chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Democrat chair of the House Judiciary Committee said they, they wouldn't support impeaching Kavanaugh. Well, of course not. With what? And senior Democrats are moving quickly to snuff out calls to impeach him. Well, of course. Because then everything would come out, wouldn't it? And Kaiser, the closest to Ford of all the so-called witnesses, was pressured to change her story. She was pressured to throw in with Ford. I want you to think about this. And this wasn't highlighted in the New York Times story. It wasn't even mentioned in the New York Times story that everybody's criticizing. It's hidden in the back of the book by these two New York Times reporters. Is that shocking? And then on top of it, and then on top of it, we have the New York Times. As people have explained to you, and I have explained to you, late Saturday night, publishing claims, quote-unquote, that Kavanaugh was pushed by his friends in a way where his genitalia wound up in the hand of Ms. Kaiser. Ms. Kaiser has no memory of this whatsoever. Well, say her detractors and Ford support. Maybe she was drunk. Drunk? No, maybe it's all a lie. Now, our friends at Newsbusters point out, since 9 a.m. Eastern Time Sunday morning, CNN and MSNBC spent nearly four hours of airtime peddling dubious new charges of misconduct against Kavanaugh. The liberal cable network's appetite for a fresh Kavanaugh scandal was so great that even after the authors were forced to issue a major correction to their initial story... Their coverage was barely adjusted to reflect this new information. Media Research Council, MRC, their analysts found that from the first report at 9.42 a.m. Sunday through 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, what would we do without MRC? CNN and MSNBC have spent a combined 233 minutes excluding teases. Ladies and gentlemen, that's basically four hours peddling these dubious allegations since the New York Times first published them on Saturday. And MSNBC offered the lion's share of coverage with a total of 166 minutes, nearly three hours, spent on the allegations themselves, but only six minutes on its pitfalls, including the alleged victim's professed ignorance of the incident. CNN gave the story 67 minutes with a mere three minutes on the confounding detail. Now think about that. Think about what took place. Isn't that horrendous? This is the New York Times, of course. CNN, MSNBC, and virtually every Democrat running for president of the United States immediately demanded the impeachment of Kavanaugh. Immediately. They didn't know fact from fiction, and he didn't care. 
It was in the New York Times, their Bible. And that's all that matters. Is the New York Times their Bible? Now, these reporters have since said, various news programs, well, we didn't leave it out of the story. We had it in the story. That is, that the supposed victim wasn't a victim at all, had no memory of this and denied it. We put it in the original story. The editor, our editors at the New York Times removed it. But of course, it was just a bureaucratic mistake. Just a bureaucratic mistake. Because they were in a rush to make sure they didn't mention her name. Mention her name, her name is everywhere. The New York Times intentionally took out the fact that the person who was the supposed victim denied that it ever happened. Four witnesses, four denials. Witnesses mentioned by Ford. Pressure on a witness to change her testimony. This is what they do. And this is how they do it. And now Jerry Nadler, the House Judiciary Committee, a man who never met a domestic terrorist who he didn't think should be given clemency, is heading an investigation for impeachment of the President of the United States when he's the victim? He's the victim? Jerry Nadler, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, hasn't held a single hearing on Comey? Hasn't held a single hearing on McCabe? Hasn't held a single hearing on FISA applications? On Bruce Orr? On the FBI spying on candidate Trump? On Hillary Clinton and the DNC laundering money through a law firm, this Mark Elias getting at the fusion chief. Nothing. Nothing. Look, Kavanaugh is not my kind of justice. You're going to be greatly disappointed by him over the course of his life and your life. I'm just telling you right now, all the signs are there, but that's not the point here. The point here are these thug mobster Marxist tactics that anything goes. That anything goes. And by the way, the media are not just participants, they're leaders. And on freedom of the press, which I haven't turned to in some time, by the way. You know, Mark, you're always turning to that book. Well, why shouldn't I? Everybody else is turning to it in the media, on radio, on TV. Our columnists, they just don't reference it. Because it's a weird business I'm in. Very jealous, thin-skinned people. They're very angry that we've sold nearly half a million copies of this book in its various form. It drives them nuts. Actually, people who want to come on my show and have me promote their books, when they, they don't even acknowledge this book, which is so crucially important, particularly today, particularly with what's going on in the country. And those of you who've read it know exactly what I'm talking about or listen to the audio. The reason I have Chapter 6 in Unfreedom of the Press called The New York Times Betrays Millions is to explain why you should never trust the New York Times. If you lived during the rise of the Third Reich, during World War II, you wouldn't have known about the Holocaust and the extent of it until 1944. Why? 
because the New York Times was censoring it. To the extent it covered it, it pushed it to the back pages, which was minimal. Same with the Washington Post. Same with every other media outlet in the United States and America. Why would you expect then the New York Times to tell a truthful story about Ford? Why would you expect the New York Times to be honest about its political reporting? It hires a senior editor who's an anti-Semite, and they still haven't removed the guy. It publishes Third Reich-like cartoons, and then, oops, we made a mistake. Sorry. It viciously attacks guys like Netanyahu while it props up Hamas. New York Times. All the news that's fit to put in a birdcage. I cite Dr. David Wyman in his book, The Abandonment of the Jews, in chapter 6, where he gives chapter and verse about how the New York Times covered up the Holocaust. Emory University professor Deborah Lipstadt in her book, Beyond Belief. These are true scholars. I explain her presentation and what she found. But they're not alone. There's others. Another professor. Lefts. L-E-F-F. Apostrophe S. Same thing. So you have her research, Wyman's research, Lipstadt's research. And it's undeniable. And finally, the New York Times had to come out with, years ago, I think it was like 2001, an explanation. So it turns to one of its former managing editors who writes a pathetic opinion piece. Their coverage was inadequate. By the way, that's Professor Laurel Leff, Northeastern University. And these people are meticulous. The extent to which Sulzberger at the New York Times was well aware of what was taking place in Europe. I've pointed this out over and over and over again because, folks, if you're the leading news organization in America and everybody always has to say, yeah, I really am troubled about what the Times did, but it's a great news operation. It's not. That's why I included this chapter in the book. And in addition to that, as you know, I included in this chapter, betraying millions, what they did, what they did to the Ukrainians, with their reporter, Walter Durandi, who lied, who, who was regurgitating Stalinist propaganda when he was starving to death, millions and millions of Ukrainians, the New York Times, even to this day, when people say, you know, the Pulitzer Prize Durrani got for that should be returned, they just shrug their shoulders. Now, those of you who've read this chapter, I can't do it justice here on the radio, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Brian Stelter ignores it. Jake Tapper ignores it. Wolf Blitzer ignores it. Dummy Lemon ignores it. Fredo Cuomo ignores it. 
Andrea Mitchell ignores it. Chris Matthews ignores it. Bozo and Bozette ignore it. Scarborough and company. And on and on down the list. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day. Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Meanwhile, one of the four uh, horsemen of the uh, idiots uh, out there, uh, that would be this Presley, Ayanna Presley, Democrat, Massachusetts. Uh, she wants to impeach Kavanaugh. What a bunch of sick bastards. That's right. Throw out everybody you disagree with. Even though it's filled with lies and, and, and vicious personal smears and character assassination, that doesn't stop this lady. She could care less. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, this is tyranny. If they ever get the majority, it's over. It's over. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, that bond seems broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. This is very exciting. Unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice, just like Aristotle. A series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Rejecting the idea that we have nothing to learn from the past, Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism and liberty in the context of ever-changing circumstance. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., dare I say, like any other in America. Hillsdale educates thoughtful students so they might perpetuate liberty. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. You want to learn more about this institution? One of a kind? What you and I have been pining for for all these years? Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. How many of you have actually done that? Those of you who haven't done it, Maybe you're driving a truck now or you're at dinner. Do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Will you check it out? Seriously. 
Go to levinforhillsdale.com. It's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I'm telling you, it's going to really open your eyes to a great deal that's available to you. You don't have to use any of it. But if you have kids or grandkids and so forth, maybe you want to turn them on to it. They don't even have to go to the college. There it is online where everybody likes to go. All right, folks, our final hour is a blockbuster. I hope you'll join me. I'll be right back. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We will get back to this New York Times, because we must. But before that, David, who's calling us from Israel, has a very important point, and it's funny, because I just wrote this to a friend of mine, and it was just given to me uh, by uh, David. Melech, my man a few hours ago, who was in Israel. Let's go to David in Israel on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, David. Hi, Dave. Um, hi, Mark. Um, yes, sir. This is David calling from Israel. I just wanted to bring out two points. One, that the exit polls in April gave the Likud party only 30, 30 or 31 seats and ended up with 35. So I'm still optimistic that BB is going to make it. So let's slow down. So you're saying the exit polls in Israel are notoriously off? Yes. Yep. That's, That's right. true. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Even and. And even if, God forbid, Benny Gantz does get more seats than the Likud, he still won't be able to form a coalition because the, the right parties have at least 55 seats. And then you have the Arabs that have between 10 and 15, and you can't form a coalition with the Arabs because if, if Benny Gantz takes the Arabs, then that's a political suicide. And the Arabs in the past have never joined a coalition in, a, in Israel, have they? No, the, the Arabs... The, the, there's a party in Israel called Meret that, they, that that's like the most left party, and even for the Arabs, they're considered like like a real conservative party. So there's no way that the Israelis and the Arab party will be able to sit and want to live in for more than two days. So that, and I've been thinking about this. This was raised to me by my stepson, and I thought to myself, well, then how does Gantz get to sixty-one? He doesn't. He doesn't. And but have you noticed the reporting in your lousy newspapers where they keep saying looks like Netanyahu's out, Netanyahu this, but they never mention that Gantz has a huge problem. Gantz has a very big problem, but Netanyahu also has a big problem because yes. if he doesn't have 61, then they're going to try to force him out and take someone else from the Likud instead of him. And your point is well said, because what the blue and white party and what this clown Lieberman will say Look, if you get rid of Netanyahu and you put somebody else in there, we'll form a government with Likud. Then they, then they would agree to go with the Likud. Exactly. And, and some of these these Likud uh, members really are not terribly loyal individuals. Not all of them, obviously, but some of them would be more, happy, more than happy to do that because one day they want to be prime minister and they'd love to get Netanyahu out of the way too. 100%. So that's the only problem that he has. 
David, it's such a screwed up system. You know, the socialists set this up, Ben Gorin and the others. And uh, it is such a screwed up system, it's too bad. Because, you know, if it were a flat out vote, like back in April, Netanyahu would be the prime minister. That's right. And, 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 and you have this, this Lieberman guy that he was also for 20 years, he was running against the Arabs. He was like the, the most right person in Israel. He was. He was saying he was you know, the whole time asking that we should kill all the te- all the terrorists or everybody that doesn't. Uh, yeah, he was Mr. Tough Guy. And now he's more than happy to work his way into a coalition with the Arabs, and he did. Mm-hmm. It's true, it's true, and uh, it's unfortunate. I think so, David. How do you think this is going to wind up, or who knows? Uh, I really hope that that uh, the right parties get. 61 that we, we could be able to form a collision with BB as a head. That's still that possible because we all, all is. I just looked online, it's only about 5 or 6% of the vote in. Right. And also, the, there's a real possibility that in three months we'll be. There's going to be uh, another election over here. If, it, if, it's, uh, if it stays this way. You know, maybe maybe you guys should amend your governing system. So this doesn't keep happening because I'll bet the people in Israel are getting worn out. And it's very troubling, you know, when you're facing down Iran and Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas, and all the rest of it, to constantly be in election mode. And, and, and now it's even more dangerous than ever before because Trump is now having his, his plan for the, for, for the Middle East, his peace plan. And if Benny Gantz uh, wins and he forms a coalition, then he could and he would be able to sell... Everything in order to, to to get a peace plan. You're right, and and part of the problem is uh, I could be wrong, but some of the voting wasn't as strong as it could have been in uh, Judea and Samaria. I hear is that true? Again, some of the voting in Judea and Samaria wasn't as strong as it could have been. I understand. Is that it true? No, no, it wasn't. That's what they say. Well, if that's true, that's really unbelievable. Because some people have more, a bigger stake in this stuff than other people, if you know what I mean, based on policy. Right. Well, listen, I much appreciate it. Very, very, uh, very excellent. Uh, And uh, call again, David. We appreciate it. It is um, 3.15 in the morning in Israel. David's like me. He doesn't sleep. Well, you know what? Let's keep going. Marty! Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the great WRNN. Go! Uh, Mark, good evening. Thank you so much for uh, your uh, opening about uh, Mr. Nadler. I I knew about him a little bit, but what you revealed was simply remarkable. How in the world can an individual like this even be elected? It doesn't say much for his constituency that they keep on putting this man Well, his constituency is made up of hardcore leftists who will vote for a Democrat, period. And the more left-wing, the better. You and I can't wrap our minds around this. We love our country, uh, and these hardcore leftists do not. They take advantage of uh, everything that's been created by others. And so, you know, we can't wrap our heads around it, but that's what these people are. That's what they do. Amazing. It's disgusting. Uh, yeah, it is that, too. Uh, but thank you so much, Mark. For, but, but is not uh, not amazing what was in Town Hall, which is a great website. Isn't it amazing how so few people know about his history? 
Absolutely. That there's no scrutiny on this man whatsoever, even though he's leading a charge to uh, uh, a, a coup against the sitting president of the United States? Exactly. That's amazing. Unbelievable. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Leslie, Lafayette, Louisiana, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm fine. Mark, I wanted to thank you for your book. It was absolutely wonderful. But I enjoyed it because I read a chapter, then I got on Levin TV, watched your chapter one, and I did it as a course. You know, mm-hmm. every day I read the uh, chapter, then watch chapter two, and I am able to pick up every little thing, whether in a newspaper article, mm-hmm. a TV article, and I cannot thank you enough for opening my eyes even more. And I wanted to just thank you. Well, you're and, very, very and, sweet. And of course, I'm passing the book around. My son has it right now. So, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you a signed copy. Let your son keep it. Don't hang up, and I want to thank you very, very much. And I want the people who listen to this program to understand, I haven't been promoting this book just to promote this book. No, I don't need the money. I spent a lot of time on this book. This is the book that will help you unravel what's coming through your television screen or your radio. This is the book that's going to help you analyze all this, not just on some superficial level. And you can see the columnists and the hosts, and the guests, radio and TV, how many people have read this book? Based on how they're now critiquing the media, and more and more of them are doing that. It's not just the president anymore. And there's truly a reason for this. Because they read the book, or they've heard me talk about the book. That's why. So it's very, very important that you... Inform yourselves that you self-educate because you're not going to get this anywhere else. You're just not. I'm I'm not trying to toot any horns here. I don't need to. I'm just saying um, you can go to the library and get the book. You can borrow it from a friend, whatever. There's half a million copies out there, give or take. But the subject is very, very important. Every damn day now it's about the media, whether it's here, whether it's in Israel, wherever it is. They think they run the country. They think they run the country, and in many ways they do and they have, but now now we can challenge them because we have built this movement, you and I, this informed movement about what we're dealing with and who we're dealing with. And we know. We know their techniques. We know their tactics. And you'll better know what news platforms to go to and look at. You'll, you'll decide on your own because you'll dismiss these others. That's why CNN has no ratings. MSNBC really has paltry ratings. My Sunday interview show is by far and consistently the most watched show at 10 p.m. on all the cable news channels, all of them combined. And typically my 10 p.m. show is the highest rated show On Sunday nights, period. Not all the time, but typically. If my Fox show was moved to prime time on Sunday, or just moved up an hour or two for that matter, we'd have even bigger ratings, quite frankly. I'm not lobbying for that. I don't care.
But that's the truth. And the reason is you and others are yearning for information. You're yearning for the truth. You're yearning for principles. You're yearning for patriotism. You see what's happening all around you. And unfreedom of the press, really, is the guide star that has begun the process of unraveling the modern mass media, the Democratic Party press. It's a phrase that I use throughout the book, and people are ripping off. That's all right. Those of you who've read it, you understand what I mean. And also paves a way to the future where we have more competition, more news sites, more objectivity. It starts with an idea. It starts with a book. And then it takes off from there, thanks to you, you patriotic Levinites. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. I've been wanting to get to this topic now for a couple of days, and it's very, very crucial. And I posted about this on my social sites, Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Thousands of fetal remains found at home of former South Bend abortion doctor. And I linked to this story, and what I said was, I wonder what the gun banners will have to say about this. Will they now want to ban abortion? I posted that days ago. Thousands of preserved fetal remains found on property of deceased Will County doctor and abortionist. Now imagine. Imagine a woman having an abortion. And that baby is one of thousands that this doctor keeps in his basement or buries in his backyard. It's hard to know which. Probably both. Imagine that. South Bend, Indiana. Thousands of fetal remains. And by the way, the left does not want this regulated. They want vaping regulated. They want straws regulated. They want everything regulated except abortion. Except the, the killing of babies. It's what it is. Thousands of fetal remains were found at the home of this guy. The remains were discovered while family members were searching through the home of Dr. Ehrlich Klopfer, who passed away on September 3. His home is in Will County, Illinois. WSBT reports Klopper used to practice at the Woman's Pavilion in South Bend. Sounds so harmless, the Woman's Pavilion. Sounds so progressive. His medical license was suspended in 2015 after he was accused of failing to report an abortion on a 13-year-old girl. When the family located the remains, they called authorities and an investigation was launched. The remains of 2,246 medically preserved fetuses, a.k.a. babies, were eventually found. This is like the Third Reich here with these abortionists. It doesn't appear any medical procedures were performed at his home, according to WSBT. The investigation's ongoing. 
I don't even know where you would put these bodies. 2,246 medically preserved babies. They call them fetuses. Or eventually found. This was reported initially on September 13th. I have not seen this covered in any significant, repetitive way on the major networks. I've not heard any outcry by Beto O'Rourke or anybody else about how we need to regulate this. Nobody. I'm expecting the women who are running for office. They say only they can discuss abortion. I'm expecting them to speak a Not a word. Not a word. From Elizabeth Fraud Warren. Not a word from Kamala Fraud Harris. Not a word. Nothing. Not a word from Gabby. I love the dictator in Syria whatever the hell her name is. Not a word. Not a word from Nancy Pelosi. I know what her name is. I'm just... Not a word from Nancy Stretch Pelosi. Nothing. Nothing. The House Judiciary Committee today. No investigation into this. No, 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 no. This is one man. One abortionist. And apparently he conducted tens of thousands of abortions. Can you imagine that, Mr. Producer? I cannot. And then he keeps them preserved, medically preserved, I believe, in his basement. That means anywhere you go in his basement, his closets and shelves and all, he has medically preserved little babies in jars and containers. So what, he could go downstairs into his basement and look at them from time to time? Proud of his handiwork? Have we ceased being human beings? I would ask the Supreme Court, is this what you had in mind in Roe v. Wade and subsequent decisions? Is this what we mean by choice? Only a woman can decide? This guy's not a woman. You start down this path, there's no end to it. Then you have the governor of Virginia, who's still the governor of Virginia, talking about abortion after birth. You have the governor of New York, who basically signs a law to codify that. I'll be right back. America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. It's Constitution Day, you know. It is. Constitution Day. It's being greatly celebrated in the New York Times by their perversion of the Constitution and American history and their abuse of freedom of the press to undermine the American people. Constitution Day. 
Is Constitution Day celebrated in Washington, D.C., Mr. Producer? I haven't seen a damn thing. Have you? Is it celebrated in most public schools? Is it, is it celebrated in our universities and colleges? No. No big deal. No, no, no. How about the Communist Manifesto? Oh, rules for out of you. Now you're talking. It's enforced compliance season, so if you owe the IRS, you need to take action. Because the IRS can garnish your paycheck, seize your bank account, and put a lien on your home. I'd say that's pretty rough. Don't wait until it's too late, folks. Call Optima Tax Relief while you still have options. They've solved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks like you. Optima steps between you and the IRS, fighting on your behalf to help stop the demand letters and aggressive collection actions so you can get back to your life. No one is more skilled at solving tough IRS problems than Optima Tax Relief. Call now and ask about the Fresh Start Initiative, one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you can save thousands, perhaps. You deserve a fresh start. Call Optima now for your free consultation, 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. This is the number one, in my view, tax relief organization, and they've been a sponsor a long time. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, you can visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. But I'd give them a call. You have nothing to lose, and they are terrific. Rob, Santa Clara, California, the great KSFO. Go. Hey, thanks, Mark. You know, I've listened to you for years, and you use the word preposterous a lot. Yes. pertaining to the Democrats' proposals for, for all this crazy stuff. And I've, I've read a lot of your books and other books on your book list, and they're so informative. And I have a question about the constitutionality of anything they propose. All these things, I mean, it's like this collectivist tyranny. They mm-hmm. want to get the electorate. It's like just because us 49%, per, let's say, lose an election, we are then we're – qual- we're definitely qualified minority. We're really qualified. We believe in what we believe in. But we're then <laughs> – I'm I'm losing you, Rob, but this is precisely why I'm not a populist. I'm a constitutionalist. It's precisely why. Because these rights are human rights. They're unalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. People don't get to vote on those things. You're born with them. They are God-given. You cannot be a populist and believe in God-given human rights and uh, constitutionalism and republicanism. Because where does populism begin and where does populism end? Look at the Constitution. The Constitution, at least originally, provides for the direct vote in one instance, the House of Representatives. Not for the Senate, not for the presidency, obviously not for the courts. And so the uh, framers of the Constitution understood all too well the power of the mob. They saw what happened in the French Revolution, 10 years of terrorism. And of course they fought the power of, uh, of a monarchy. And so they didn't want an all-powerful centralized government, and they didn't want an all-powerful mob. And they gave us this magnificent constitution, which we slowly but surely have been unraveling. Well, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, the constitutionality, I mean, of anything these Democrats propose is like a tyranny. Just the the mob. I've said often, where's the constitutional basis for this? You're going to take our guns? No, you're not. Uh, Two percent. Wealth tax? No, you can't. 
But you can go on and on. But people like John Roberts, in my view, have gravely weakened the uh, the Constitution and have bent over backwards for centralized uh, progressive government. And he knows better because he served in the Reagan administration. He's just far too political, far too concerned about press coverage, in my view. All right? Well, thanks. thanks for taking my call, Mark. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. Benjamin Netanyahu gave a short statement a few minutes ago in Hebrew. I have part of it in English. He said uh, while he was on, as you can see, I am hoarse. As you know, it's better to lose your voice than to lose the country. He thanked his supporters, ministers, mayors who backed him. He said, I said the election was hard. That's not the word, says Netanyahu. We faced a campaign that was so tilted against us by the biased media, so against us. We're still waiting for the results, but one thing is clear. The state of Israel is a historic, at a historic turning point. We are facing immense opportunities and immense challenges, including the existential threat from Iran. He praises the Israeli economy and diplomatic flourishing, says Israel must ensure it continues. The Trump administration, he said, will soon unveil its peace plan, and the negotiations over it will shape Israel for years to come. In the face of this, he said, Israel needs a strong government, a stable government, a Zionist government, a government that is committed to Israel as the nation-state of the Jewish people. And he said, there cannot be a government that relies on the anti-Zionist Arab parties, parties that praise and glorify terrorists and kill our soldiers and children. And he's interrupted by chants of, we don't want unity, meaning not with those elements. Netanyahu says he spoke to his prospective coalition partners and will soon launch negotiations to create a strong Zionist government and thwart the formation of an anti-Zionist government. Now, this word Zionist to a lot of people, not me, has become a pejorative or has become, even worse, a negative word. All it means, ladies and gentlemen, is that it's the right of Israel to exist as a Jewish state, as a country. And just as we feel that way about America, we want an America. They want an Israel. And that's what he means by that. His point about the Arab parties is very, very important. In America, we don't understand it. The Arab parties, the Arab parties typically boycott these elections. Many of the Arab parties are influenced by the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority in this election strongly encouraged the Arabs to vote and to vote for this blue and white party, or this coalition, I should say, of Arab parties, in order to try and stop Netanyahu. They have never joined a governing administration in Israel. Perhaps they will this time to try and stop Netanyahu. But they don't believe in the state of Israel, which is why they've never joined an Israeli government. And many of them reject the state of Israel. And that's Netanyahu's point. That the opposition coalition, that the opposition coalition will need these Arab parties in order to take the prime ministership. And he said, we will never join with parties like this. He said that we cannot be a government that relies on the anti-Zionist Arab parties, 
parties that praise and glorify terrorists that kill our soldiers and children. That is the terrorists who do. And so this guy, Netanyahu, he is a fighter to the end, just as Trump is. So that's what they have going for them. All right. Let's see who's out here. Tracy, Los Angeles, California, the great KRLA, the answer. I'm going to be out there soon, you know, Tracy. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. You going to join us? Oh, I, I, I'd like to. I'm still trying to figure it out with kids and all that. Come on now, you can bring them too. <laughs> it's on October 6th. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. October I, I 6th. I did go to the last one you guys did uh, three years ago. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It was. You go to the um, KRLA I, website, and okay. uh, all the information's there, and I don't know if they're sold out or not, but I would strongly encourage you or anybody else because I don't get out there that much. My kids have moved out of California in the last few months. So oh, yeah. go, go right ahead, Tracy. I know why. Listen, I wanted to thank you because you made me a better teacher. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm one of the rare uh, conservative uh, teachers in Los Angeles. Probably the I only one. Kind of, uh, might be. I kind of feel like I have to keep it under my hat. And I, I teach history. I teach U.S. history and world history to, uh, to uh, students with learning disabilities. In, Wonderful. In, uh, Wonderful. Our public school system. And, um, but you have, you, over the past 13 years, I've listened to you every day, and I can go in there and I can explain to them all kinds of things about, you know, what's going on in Israel and why this, these people hate these people and who's bombing who, and, and they just look at me like, what are you doing in your spare time? You must not have any fun. Well, but, um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. And I want to thank you very, very much. Very kind of you to call, Tracy. And keep up the good work. I know it's a tough job being a teacher. It really is. Particularly in certain school systems like L.A. I was talking about KRLA. Tickets are available for our Town Hall 2019 Sunday, October 6th event the Pasadena Convention Center. Join me and Dennis Prager and Larry Elder and Sebastian Gorger, all buddies, because tickets for this event, I don't know if they've already sold out or they're going to sell out. That I know for sure. So you want to get them right away. And for more information on Town Hall 2019, visit am870.info, am870.info. And if you haven't gone there yet, Please go there now. October 6th is very close. It's the one time this year I'll be going to KRLA country. Uh, And, you know, I go to the Reagan Library every other year, and we were there on June, what was it, 8th or 1st? Wonderful time there. But I'm not writing another book right now. So I want to strongly encourage you to go. Just check it out on am870.info, am870.info, because I'd love to meet as many of you as possible. Did you know whites need not apply to a campus SciTech symposium that only features scholars of color? The college fix, like college reform, these are outstanding sites. An upcoming science and technology symposium slated to take place at Williams College 
promises a unique feature. It will showcase new voices in the field, and those voices will only come from scholars of color. New Voices in Science and Technology Studies, a C3 symposium, it's called, set for early November at the private Massachusetts-based Liberal Arts College, invited scholars to submit papers if they represent a historically underrepresented group. It's getting sicker and sicker out there. The call for papers specifies that that means either African-Americans, Alaska Natives, Arab-Americans, Asian-Americans, Latinxes, just Latinxes, Native Americans, Native Hawaiians, and other Pacific Islanders. This is the sort of thing who, in the day, Elizabeth Warren would have lied her way into this, you see. So only certain minorities are permitted, as a matter of fact. But whites, not at all. Whites, not at all. And so our colleges and universities are endorsing segregation. As are many of our communities, as are many Democrats running for president. Part of the application process asks applicants to write a couple sentences proving themselves as a member of a historically underrepresented group. Okay, I'm a conservative. I'm a historically underrepresented group, particularly in colleges and universities. Yet the application also provides an equal employment opportunity statement that people from all backgrounds are welcome. Williams College in Massachusetts. I have three words for you. Go to hell. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Few things in life can change your entire outlook on the day. Call from your boss asking you to work the weekend. Early construction right outside your bedroom window in the morning you wanted to sleep in. These will ruin your day. Even worse, how about when your check engine light comes on? That usually means thousands of dollars in repairs. Now that's why I have CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's up to you, your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Don't let your check engine light change your life. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did on our 2010 Camaro. Call 800-CAR-6000 and make sure you mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN. Or call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right. Let's continue here. Give me two seconds. Got to get that call screen up. You know, we ought to have a camera in here and do YouTube. Don't you think, Mr. Producer? Of course, that means I'd have to wear pants. I'm wearing pants. Just a joke. Let's go to Tom. <laughs> Tom, Proval, Utah. The great K-A-R-N. How are you? Hey, Mark. I love your show. Uh, Thank you. Long-time conservative. And- By the way, I don't love your Romney. He's a disgrace. <laughs> well, he, may, he may not back the president. In fact, that's his intention. He said, I don't plan to back the president. This is a guy that asked all of us to back him. 
Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, anyway, I think Romney and some of the other uh, establishment people, including Justice Roberts, have this idealized view of that by compromising on uh, decisions like Obamacare, they can preserve the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. But I think what they're failing to see is that it doesn't matter to the liberals and the Democrats what they do. They will do anything they can to delegitimize the Supreme Court, regardless of how objectively or how... Look, I'm, um, I'm a big critic of the court, certainly from time to time, but I'm a critic of the court when I believe the court is really grabbing power that doesn't belong to the court, taking authority away from the states, uh, when it decides to impose its collective personal policy preferences and things of that sort. That's legitimate criticism. But threatening the court by trying to intimidate one or more members is a disgrace. And Justice Roberts, revealing himself as highly political and very, very concerned about the press he receives, has, as uh, was pointed out in the resurgent piece, uh, has exposed the court and the justices to a very aggressive kind of threatening politics. That's exactly what's going on now. Yeah, I, I agree totally. The thing is, I don't, I, in their own minds, they may be doing what they think is very clever and outsmarting the Democrats and outsmarting the liberals, but like I said, it doesn't matter. I understand your point. I do. Thank you. The music means I got to tap dance out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all you wonderful folks out there who protect us. Don't forget to go on Amazon.com or any major bookstore, especially Barnes & Noble, and get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. And I can't wait to see you right here tomorrow. God bless and be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.